Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word, presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. talks about salvation and people being saved. But what does it mean by that? What are we saved from? Saved and salvation are words that speak of deliverance or a rescue. And the natural question that should come to our minds is, from what? When the Bible speaks about being saved, it's talking about being saved from hell, from an eternity of conscious suffering and torment in the lake of fire. God desires to save you from hell, from the eternal lake of fire. The message of Scripture is that salvation is a rescue, a rescue from a real place called hell. This is important for us to remember as we think about the lost and unbelieving that are around us, and as we live with gratitude in realizing the horrors that we have been saved from. The single greatest way we show love and concern for others is to share the gospel with them because we are seeking to meet their greatest need and to warn them and show them the one, the way, who will rescue them out of their eternal fires of hell if they just believe the gospel. The Bible is a book of warning about hell. It's wrong to ignore that message in God's word. We should warn others as the Bible warns about the lake of fire. More than 150,000 people die every single day. 4.5 million die each month. 55 million die every year. What reality do they find beyond the grave? What fate awaits them? Do they really rest in peace? The Bible is the only authoritative source that tells us the truth about death, life, heaven, hell, and eternity. The Bible has the final word on that subject and on every subject that it touches because it is the revealed word of God. The Bible has come from God, from the spiritual realm, and it has the answers about where all of us will spend eternity and what awaits us in the spiritual realm one day. We'll seek through this study today to learn about what the Bible teaches about hell and what awaits those who do not believe and have not trusted God's provision of salvation. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 15 says, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The sentence of the second death will be passed on all unbelievers from all time at the great white throne judgment. The lake of fire is the final destination of the unsaved. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, Paul says that the unbelieving will be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. The lake of fire is a place of punishment, everlasting destruction, and separation from the presence of the Lord. The horror of separation from God is seen in the life of Cain. When Cain was punished by the Lord for murdering his brother Abel, 
Genesis chapter 4, verses 13 and 14 says, Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day, and from thy face shall I be hid. And that is what happens to people in hell. They are driven from the Lord, hidden from His face eternally, separated forever from His presence. And being separated from God's blessings and goodness will cause their punishment to be greater than they can bear. Separation from God and His goodness is a horror unimaginable to our minds. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8 says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The lost in hell will spend eternity in the middle of pure evil among the wicked and basest of people in hell. They'll spend eternity with killers, with murders, with the sexually immoral, rapists, sorcerers, revolting, hateful, depraved, malicious people. And they will live eternally among demons, among Satan, among the beast and the false prophet, and the horrors and the fears that go with living in their evil presence for eternity. They will, unbelievers will spend eternity in the middle of complete evil and wickedness forever. They will not experience anything good ever again. The blessings of God in this life that we often take for granted, they'll never experience again. Family, food, drink, light, comfort, home, rest. The Bible presents hell as a real place where all the unbelieving suffer the wrath of God for all eternity. And hell never changes. It never improves. Hell is not chastisement. It's everlasting, insufferable punishment, and there is no way out of it. Whoever goes to hell will stay in hell. We've all probably at one time been stuck somewhere in a situation beyond our control. Maybe an airplane on a runway or in an elevator. Or even just that moment of panic that comes when a door sticks when you try to leave a room and it won't open. You panic in that second. You get nervous. Your heart races. In times like those, you have a reasonable hope of rescue or escape. But imagine that kind of situation when there is no escape, when there is no rescue coming. Think of the mine that collapsed in Chile in 2010. 33 miners trapped thousands of feet below ground. It took 69 days, but all of them were rescued from their underground tomb. We love stories like that. They make movies about it. Against unthinkable odds, finding a surprise exit route or the execution of a successful rescue at the 11th hour. But that is absolutely not possible when it comes to hell. God built the prison of hell and there are no doors and there are no windows. There is no key. There are no escape routes. No exits exist. No one's coming to get them out. No one is powerful enough to rescue anyone out of it. 
God righteously keeps them there. Revelation 22.11 reads, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Speaking of the eternal state, the unjust and filthy sinner will remain unjust and filthy still. In other words, in the eternal state, they are in their sins for eternity. And being in their sins, they are sealed under the wrath of God in hell as they face the punishment against their sins forever and ever and ever. The righteous and holy, John talks about here, will remain righteous and holy still for eternity, forever sealed that way, with our sins gone and paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. And thus the believer is welcome in the presence of God forever and ever. Revelation 14, 10 and 11 says, The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. And they have no rest day nor night. Hell is eternal judgment. The smoke of their torment lasts forever and ever. The lost will not rest in peace, but instead they will remain restless without any rest day nor night, with no respite, no breaks, no sleep, no peace for all eternity. Dante's imaginary inscription over hell's entrance reads, Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. Rightly pictured hell as a place where mercy and hope are left at the door. Some reject that view, believing against the testimony of Scripture that God gives people a second chance. Many want to believe there's an opportunity after death to be delivered from hell. That may sound appealing, but that does not come from the Bible. There is no salvation in hell. All the ways to hell are one-way streets. There is no hope of return. Once you're there, you're there forever and ever. Satan, through his deception and through his false teachings about hell, attacks and challenges hell's existence, hell's nature, and hell's eternality. Satan's efforts revolve often around making sin less offensive, heaven less appealing, hell less horrific, and the gospel less urgent. But the Word of God leaves no doubt about the existence or nature or the eternality of hell. It is eternal punishment. With clarity and authority, God has told us the truth about hell. And with clarity and authority, God has told us how to be saved from it through the cross of Christ and His resurrection. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to BereanBibleSociety.org. Gambling with Eternity is a glossy-finished gospel tract 
written by Pastor Ricky Kurth. There are so many ways to gamble these days. Casinos that used to be found only in Las Vegas now seem to be everywhere. People gamble on sporting events, at racetracks, and in state lotteries. Others risk their hard-earned money in the stock market, which is always a gamble. But even if you have never placed a bet, if you are not saved, you are gambling with eternity. To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin. Christ made the lake of fire. He knows how horrific it is. But its everlasting fire was originally prepared for the devil and his angels, Matthew 25:41 tells us. The lake of fire was originally created for the devil and his angels, not the lost and unbelieving. God loves all. His desire has always been that people be saved. He didn't create hell for a lost, unbelieving people. He made it to send the devil and his demons there. God sent his own son to die on the cross to take away our sins and to save us from ever going to hell. Christ willingly shed his own blood. He faced God's wrath against our sins on the cross to save us from hell. God wants no one to go to hell, but in his righteousness, in his justice against sin, he must judge and punish sin. And those who do not believe are still in their sins and they must be judged by God and they must be sentenced to eternal punishment in hell forever by Him. Hell is described as a lake made up of fire, burning with brimstone. Revelation 19.20 says, You build a hot fire in your fireplace after a while, after it's been burning and it really gets that heat going, when you have to put a new log in that fire, you have to just quickly put it in because it hurts to even hold your hand there for a split second. And then you think about the lost and the unbelieving in the midst of scorching fire and horrific torment, experiencing everlasting pain and anguish. Mark 9, 43 and 45 says that that fire will never be quenched. It is an unquenchable fire that cannot and will never be put out and it burns forever. It is described in Matthew 13 as a furnace of fire, a furnace that causes relentless, suffocating, tormenting heat. Matthew 10:28, Christ warns, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Hell is a place of spiritual and bodily destruction. There are no parties in hell. There is no fellowship in hell. There is no community. There is no companionship. There is no relationships. 
Hell will be filled with people personally demolished and destroyed by emotional and spiritual pain and physical agony. Every individual will be completely entrenched in their own anguish. It will be utter loneliness and sorrow. Solitary, personal suffering forever is the picture laid out for us about the lake of fire from Scripture. Matthew 22, verse 13 says, Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Christ shows here how hell is a place of outer darkness. Jude 1, 13 says, Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. The lake of fire will be a place of utter darkness, blackness of darkness, fearful darkness. The morning never comes in hell. The morning will never come. The light never goes on. The sun never comes up. There's never a breakthrough. There will only be infinite ages of endless hopelessness and darkness and despair and a state totally separated from God in His presence and His goodness. Matthew twenty-two thirteen says, There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, crying, weeping, wailing, shrieking. That's what they'll hear among those in hell. The condemned will intensely moan and cry and sob. They'll cry and wail for help, but none will ever come. They'll gnash their teeth. They'll grind their teeth out of their intense pain. Their gnashing also speaks of their regret out of their emotional anguish. They'll eternally, continually gnash their teeth out of their deep remorse. You burn dinner. You forget your anniversary. You have a bad work day. You get a bad haircut and gnash your teeth and it bothers you. But you get another chance. You know there's a next time to do better and do it differently. But for people in hell, they'll remember how they had the opportunity, but they rejected the Lord. They'll know that there is no next time, that there is no hope or anticipation of doing it differently next time around, because there is no next time around. And this eternal regret will cause them deep pain. And the gnashing of their teeth will never, ever stop. Luke 16, verses 23 to 25 read, And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Here you find Hades in the center of the earth before the cross. We see the two parts of Hades before Christ at his ascension took captivity captive and believers in paradise to heaven. But we learn things about the unsaved dead who are in torment right now. All unbelievers go to torment in Hades when they die today, which is the temporary holding place of punishment 
prior to them being cast into the lake of fire after the great white throne for all eternity. As one who knows exactly what awaits the unbeliever after death, Christ tells the story of a rich man who was tormented in Hades. You learn things about the current torment of people in Hades that will be true for eternity when unbelievers are cast into the lake of fire following the great white throne. We see here that after a person dies in their sins and unbelief, they experience conscious punishment and torment. The rich man's body dies and is buried here, but you find him alive. His spirit is alive. And even in his disembodied state, he lifts up his eyes, it says, and he could see. He is fully conscious in a place of torment in Hades, and he feels the pain. He could see, he could hear, he could talk, he could feel, he could think, he could reason. He is fully aware that he is tormented in a flame of fire. And out of that flame, the rich man asks Abraham about the possibility of receiving the treasured relief that just a single drop of water would offer. The rich man doesn't ask for a barrel of water or a jar or a thermos or a cup or a gulp. He just says a drop or two would be precious beyond description. That type of unrelieved anguish will go on forever and ever for people in hell. They will thirst forever. The rich man begs for mercy, but we see that there is no mercy in hell. You also see that he can remember. Abraham tells him to remember because he can remember. He has his memories. And this is also part of the torture and what brings him pain as well. Later in the chapter... The rich man remembers his five brothers, and his concern is that they be spared, that they not be cast into this place in this horrible torment like he was experiencing. The rich man also remembered the beggar Lazarus who used to lie at his gate in pain and in hunger. The rich man had wealth in this life. He had a home, food, comfort here. Lazarus experienced the opposite, pains, sores, hunger. He was homeless. He was tormented in life. But now in the afterlife, the tables were completely turned. Lazarus was comforted because he believed. And the rich man was tormented because he never believed. And there was nothing that could be done anymore. Abraham reminds him here of the great chasm that could not be crossed. And that reminds us that there is no reversal once you die and are in eternity. You go to one of two places, heaven or hell, eternal bliss or eternal torments forever and ever. Leviticus 9:24 through chapter 10, verse 2 reads this way, And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Here we learn that as the ministry of the priesthood in the tabernacle began under the law that 
Aaron offered the proper offerings and sacrifices. After he did, there came a fire out from before the Lord, and it consumed the altar and the burnt offering. God accepted the sacrifice that was given in accordance with his instructions and his perfect will, and he showed his acceptance by devouring that offering with fire. In the next chapter, you see Aaron's sons bringing an unacceptable offering of strange fire before the Lord, not in accordance with his commands. And fire went out from the Lord and devoured them. The burnt offering was a substitute for the people of Israel and for their sins. And you see fire falling on an acceptable substitute and consuming it. But then you see an unacceptable offering brought, and that the fire fell and consumed Nadab and Abihu. And the same is true of salvation in hell. Fire falling on the substitute and consuming him, or fire falling on you and consuming you. When Christ paid the penalty for our sins on the cross, he faced the fire, the full wrath, fury, and judgment of God against our sins, and he paid our sin debt in full. And there's no judgment, no wrath left for us once we believe what he did for us because all our sins were paid for. Our sins are forgiven. They're gone in God's sight because of the perfect sacrifice of Christ at the cross. He took the judgment we deserved. The fire fully fell on Christ, our blessed substitute, and God was well pleased with his perfect offering and sacrifice for our sins. But if you try to do things your way, the way you think, the fire is going to fall on you. You try to bring an offering of a good religious life, a life full of good works, a life of being a good person, belonging to a certain church or denomination, and God's not going to be pleased and His fire will fall on you for all eternity. You have to come to God in God's way. And God's way is only through His Son. There are many roads that lead to the lake of fire, but there is only one way to escape it, and it's by the way, the truth, and the life, the Lord Jesus Christ. East or west, north or south, rich or poor, ancient or modern, the problem is the same, and the solution is the same. The problem is sin, the solution is Jesus Christ. We are dead in our sins, and we are heading straight for hell. But we have a Savior, a Rescuer, a Deliverer, one who died on the cross to save us from eternal separation from God in the lake of fire. And just believing that Christ died for your sins and rose again, He saves us from the lake of fire. By grace through faith, as a free gift, He gives us eternal life and a home in heaven forever. Where is your soul going when you die? Are you prepared? Have you trusted Christ? If you haven't, please do that right now. For those who have believed, may the truth about the lake of fire motivate us to talk to our loved ones, talk to our families, talk to our friends, talk to anyone and everyone about Christ and the gospel of the grace of God that saves us from hell so they may believe and be saved before it's too late. 
Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.